passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the long and winding Royal Road. This is uh, episode 14. My name is W.H. Park, and of course, this is the show that we look at the greatest era of in-ring action in the sport of professional wrestling of all time, and that is the 1990s era of All Japan Pro Wrestling. And, uh, you know, today today I, uh, I, I kind of planned this show a little late. So I was kind of scrambling around to think of a guest to bring on. And I, and I thought, you know who I should bring on? I should bring my first repeat guest on to the show. And who better than the person who I think is my probably my favorite podcaster in wrestling podcasting right now. And, and that's from the Grapple Spotlight, uh, Mr. JP Houlihan. JP, how are you, sir? Very well, WH. I don't know if I can live live up to that. Um, it feels like very high praise for me, but... Uh, Absolutely delighted to be back, back talking more all Japan, classic all Japan. So um, very, very happy to be doing this. Well, I, I say like you're probably my favorite podcaster because I'm a, I'm a patron of the Grapple uh, Patreon yes. and and I listen to your daily updates all, uh, every day <laughs> and, and I quite enjoy them. I, I like the, uh, the snarkiness. I'm a big fan of snarkiness. So <laughs> I like JP does really snarky really well, maybe better than me. And yeah, probably no, not maybe. Definitely better than me. Um, also, you have the the that those uh, dulcet tones, and then there there is a there is the point of like I I strive to do a fake Irish accent as well as you. So <laughs> I can do one that's not too bad. So that that this would be the the accent my father had. Anyway, I shouldn't be doing that going into accent mode. Um, I love doing the the daily updates, but it's very very hard work when you're up at half past six in the morning and you're looking at raw results and you're thinking i can't be anything else but snarky at this point oh, in yeah time. so I, like, would, I would drive away all the wv fans of the post wrestling patrons if mm. i i actually did regularly like main roster reviews they would just i did i did once i did it once and they fucking hated me the fucking vincels who are who are patrons <laughs> of the of post wrestling i'm sorry like if you're listening to this, you probably aren't because you fucking hate me anyways, but but they they went on the fucking Facebook group, they went in the forums just blasting me, apparently. I don't go there. But Was this like the wedding when you were watching the Miro and Lana wedding in Japan. I don't I don't remember which that. one, but no, I think it was after that because like <sighs> it was something where like I was just like going off about how this is stupid. Who what? I think like I think they were offended because I was making fun of, of Otis. I was like, who's this gesticulating gross piece of garbage human like with a <laughs> stupid gimmick? And they people are like, you hate yeah, da, da, Otis, da, da, da. what's wrong with Otis? And I'm like, are you like I wasn't looking There's at loads this. wrong with Otis? But people were sending me like screenshots of this shit, and I was just like, 
I was just laughing at it. I was just like, whatever. Like these people oh, mean nothing to me. I we listen. I appreciate your support of the of post wrestling in general, but like mm-hmm. really, if you're if you're that big of a WWE fan, you, your your opinion means less than nothing to me. So <laughs> let's just get that out there, anyways. But <laughs> but yeah, this, this is not a WWE show. This is the uh, this is the the all Japan, the classic all Japan show. And and uh, you know, JP, you've been on before. Mm-hmm. You know, we we talked about what? Sorry, you'll have to refresh my memory. I, I, this is episode fourteen. <laughs> So I, I can't remember every every show I've done with 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 people. <laughs> what what were you talking about last time? Jumbo versus Misawa. Oh yeah, uh, nineteen ninety October nineteen ninety. That's uh, that that now it's coming back to me, and yeah. that that was a great match. That was a great podcast we did. Um, yeah, today we're we're going to talk about Misawa again, but with a different person. But uh, mm-hmm. we'll get to that in a second. Um, yeah, what's been going on with the the grapple? uh the grapple patreon for you guys it's been great it's been absolutely brilliant we've had like such like great support like we've really really um uh like thoroughly enjoyed it and we're basically um doing kind of we've got into a pattern now of we do like kind of a, a show for the patrons each week we do the daily updates and then do the weekend shows as well but it's it's a lot of the stuff like the next show we're doing is reviewing do you remember the documentary gayer girls Oh, that has the greatest dropkick by from Mako Satomura of all time. Yep. yep. Like, I, I mean, that scene sticks with me because it was on like a kind of, you know, I was I was shocked it won the poll, but I think I kind of rigged it because I said, look, it's not going to win. I think the phrase I used was there's less, uh, there's less chance, there's more chance of me sh- taking a shit on the moon than this winning. And it won. So I, I'm kind of, I think for Gareth and Benno, they're somewhat shocked. But um, probably, been- probably Benno's like, oh, I have to watch Joshi. Oh no! Yeah. Why can't I watch something with light tubes instead? It's I've been trying on that because I found myself, and I was reading your um, um, piece that you did about the the five star Grand Prix, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm excited to watch this, and I keep on thinking, it's like, right, please deliver, because if it's just like a series of like, look, these are amazing matches, guys, you have to be watching some of this stuff, and then I think when it when it starts, they'll you know, with Benno, he might get into it. You eventually watched MLW after me talking about him for like two years or so. <laughs> but that's probably not a good decision. Um, I, I will get into this, like, just so, just for people's edification. So we're recording this on, uh, what's this, the 26th today? 25th. This is 25th, right? So this is, uh, this will be released a week later. On, but the, the day after we record this, JP, I'll, I'll be coming on to your show with mm-hmm. you, Benno and, and Gareth. And, and at some point, maybe the, the, the the conversation will turn to like Ben of not watching Joshi like stardom or whatever. And I know, I know his reasons. And, he, and part of it is like, he, I, I get the feeling he doesn't like the, 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 your, your, the demographic that, he, that, that goes to the shows and stuff like that. Which, which, okay. Fair enough. I, I, I went to these shows live, so I don't know what you're saying about me, but no, no, I think what it was is the wrestlers documentary. Yeah. From um, uh, Damien Abram, like, which was incredible. I think that one, was one that kind of really stuck with him for it. But to be honest, I think I know I started watching more Joshi again, kind of almost post Hanakamura because you were wondering, well, what, like in some ways it was like, right, what, what's happening here? And then there was, and it was like the, the kind of the rise of Julia and everyone, um, you know, Tam Nakano and Utami Hayashishita. And that's kind of got me in with it and English language commentary. I have to say, but then Stardom World has always made a, a good effort in putting the um, subtitles on to the 
onto the shows anyway. So it always felt like it was a product that kind of easily to get into. I think for Benno, like you'll convince him, you'll turn him around on this tomorrow. Please. Well, I, all I'm going to say if it's if it's the demographic, I, I I I've watched snippets from from this new DCW show, and listen, I'll take these so-called perverts over these so-called like. You know these these fans that go to these these shows like I'd rather sit with them, <laughs> the, the 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 so-called like supposed perverts, than with these fucking crazy people like spreading COVID amongst themselves like you know oh. in, in these fucking GC. Anyways, that was, we'll save that for tomorrow. But we're yeah. gonna talk about all Japan yeah. today. But you know, JP, I gotta I gotta send some thanks out to people who who have bought the new long and winding railroad T-shirt and uh, it's on sale at store. .postdressing.com. Check it out. Uh, it's, it's, it's the hottest seller on the website, JP. And I got to thank people who've, who've bought this shirt already. And that, first of all, uh, Brendan from New Jersey, you, you, you annoy the shit out of me in the secret chat, but thank you for buying the t-shirt. I, I really appreciated it. Our good friend, JP, Alan Cunahan, AKA Alan for all, he's been, he's been uh, modeling it in, in the hot Irish weather on Twitter. Yep. Thank you so much, Alan. Maybe you've increased some sales for us. Uh, Brian Klein, thank you very much. Oh, here's a name. Dr. Keith Lipinski bought the T-shirt. That's awesome. Hey, good lad, Dr. That's, Keith. Dr. Keith, if Dr. Keith buys it and wears it, then so, uh, so should you. That's what I say. Uh, their man in, in, in Ireland, Neil Flanagan. Thank you very much, Neil. Uh, John Ceno from Shot in the Dark. Ashley Lane, uh, our friend, Rich Fan from the Pro Wrestling Torch. A lot of people in the podcasting business have been buying this shirt here. You know what I'm saying, JP? Wow. Um, yeah. Yourself, JP Houlihan yes. has bought this shirt. Has it arrived yet, JP? It. Do you know what? I got a notification that it's um that it should be in the country tomorrow. So I'm hoping for that. I've ordered that and I've ordered a dad cap. And as soon as I get them, you'll see a picture of me wearing it as well because ah. it's a great t-shirt and a lovely design. I went with the white one. You went with the white one. Like it's. Uh, the, I think black and white are like uh, neck and neck in terms of how popular Ooh. they are. Uh, let's continue on Joey Bay, my good friend, Joey Bay. He, he bought a t-shirt and, uh, Eric Jones. So everyone who's bought a t-shirt so far, thank you very much. And then hopefully next episode, I'll, I'll have an, even more names to say to, to this list. I will see. <laughs> oh, I reckon you will. It's an absolutely, it's a lovely t-shirt. So you just need to model it on, on your, 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 your group chats with yes. your, your patrons, uh, JP. And then they will be like, what can I get? that and then you just direct them towards store.com there's a the kind of ongoing joke i have with the patrons certainly when i do like the live when we do the live video recordings of like generally wearing like a a shirt that could be themed with it so i think we were talking about noah i was wearing a congo t-shirt and stuff like that and um and, and i think as soon as this one's getting in it's like i like like kind of getting it. i'm hoping fingers crossed that it'll be here tomorrow it's at the weekend so like i'm I'm quietly optimistic. Might have it for tomorrow. Well, thanks to all the people who've bought a T-shirt so far, including yourself, JP. Uh, but let's talk about today's match that we're going to mm. review. And, and JP, what are we going to talk about today? So we're going to be talking about uh, Sahara Masawa versus Akira Tawe from the 15th of April, 1995, the final of the Champions Carnival. That's right. And um, this is a really famous match in the sense that it is the only Akira Tawe singles match that has ever been rated five stars by Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer. It's fascinating for that, isn't it? Um, and I think there's a, it, it leads itself into the kind of interesting debate about Akira Tawe 
that um, in doing research for this podcast, I found it absolutely kind of fascinating. A lot of the discourse around him as well, but uh, yeah, um, I, I will be saying like for myself, I've gone on to grapple and already rated this match, which you'll find out what it is at the end of uh, when we've gone through and reviewed it as sure. well. I have a rating for it. I haven't gone to grapple to register my rating, but I, I will do that probably right after we finish recording this. But maybe, maybe before we get into the actual tournament we're going to do a bit of background on the tournament here but like mm. let's talk about akira tawe like of the he is a member of the the group known as the four pillars of heaven mm. with misawa toshiaki kawada and kenda kabashi and he's always been regarded as kind of the the, the weakest link of of those four um mm. but at the same time it's like well i mean if you're the weakest of three of the greatest wrestlers in the history of wrestling that's not a bad place to be. And, you know, when I first started watching All Japan, I, I was not a huge fan of Akira Tawe. I was, I was probably one of those people, a skeptic. Uh, of like, why is he in there? Why is he getting such, like, such a high spot in the company? I don't get it. It's not until years later. And I'll say, like, when he was in Noah, it's like, or I start to really appreciate, like, his uniqueness. Because he has a very unique style of wrestling because of his body type because of his height, because he's very lanky. Um, he does not look athletic, which I'll, I'll probably reference a lot in, in this oh, yeah. in this review. But it, once you get to like start getting granular with like his matches, especially the stuff he does in tags with Kawada and with his the partner he had before Kawada, which is which would be Jumbo Saruta, there is a lot you could appreciate about like how he wrestles and like how smart he is. He's actually one of the smartest wrestlers you'll ever find yourself watching because like he, he doesn't do a lot, but what he does do, he knows how to do, he knows when to do, which I think is the most important thing. It's not so much what you can do. It's like, you have to know when to do That's the whole idea of psychology, right? So he's really smart with the psychology and he just knows how to get fucking heat from the crowd. (laughs) Yeah. What other all Japan homegrown star around that time was able to generate the kind of heat that he could in terms of like being booed by a, an all Japan audience? Like it's it, 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 maybe Fuchi, maybe Masanobu. Fuchi. I was going to say, yeah, Fu, Fuchi would have been the other one. But how old would Fu, uh, in 95? Um, but like he he fulfills that role brilliantly. I mean, it's fascinating thinking of where he sits within the kind of pillars and everything else. And I've kind of looked at where where he is. He's like, for me, it's like in terms of tennis, as an analogy, where he's kind of like Andy Murray. And the issue is, is that Murray will probably not get thought of as necessarily one of the greatest players of all time. Um, because he's up there with Djokovic, Federer, and Nadal in that same era, who take kind of all of the heat. But what Tawai manages to do I think sort of brilliantly is still, and, and again, I agree with you. It's it's the thing I couldn't have appreciated when I first saw this match on a, on a compilation of like five star rated matches that I bought. Um, but I can appreciate the work now is he brings the character and he manages like, you know, baby faces get over as a result of wrestling him. They get over that little bit more and they're the things. And like you say, like the, it's the it's the timing of it, and this match is arguably like the kind of best example of that because the timing of some of the spots when he does them and the reactions they get are absolutely like phenomenal. Well, you have to keep in mind, like he he was kind of like under the membership of of Jumbo Suruta during mm. the time, like that Jumbo was kind of, kind of considered a heel. Like whenever he whenever Jumbo wrestled, you know, Masawa Kobashi and Kawada, the Super Generation Army, like he was kind of positioned as 
as a heel and he wrestled such that way. And then like, his tag team partner was Tawe. And like, he's also paired up in the same unit in Surtigan with, with a consummate heel in, in Masanobu Fuji, who's great at getting heat and being a bastard yeah. in the ring. So like he had, he had great mentors to teach him. Like this is how you get heat. If you're wrestling Masawa, Kobashi, or at the time Kawada, like the baby faces of the company, like this is, this is what you got to do. And like, anytime, like, listen, so maybe at some point, JP, we'll find a singles match between Tawe and Siyoshi Kikuchi, which I'm sure will be brilliant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, de- de- definitely. Um, yeah, he's a, he's an absolutely like kind of heat machine, particularly in the, in the match that we're going to talk about as well. And it was, it's clever heat, isn't it? It's, it is. It, it is. And it works within the context of character. And it and and it's again, like you mentioned as well, it's his timing is is superb. I I often wonder if the discourse around Taue it feels like something that will probably change as time goes on. I, I think you'll always have doubters. Like I saw something yeah. recently from you know podcasters who are really popular. They're like they say they they I think some to paraphrase them, I think they were like, we don't like never see what the point of Tawe is and it's just like I respect like maybe these people's positions on a lot of things on wrestling but like that one I was like I can't I can't agree with that no so. no I I think so and I think it's it takes two to tango like they'll say you know obviously Masawa at this point in time you know and you're wrestling Kawada and you, you know talk about the tag and, and you know and how good it is and the kind of people that are in there um in order to keep up with them you've got to be great like you, you know, it's the kind of thing where you're producing like this level of match that's required, and he and he does deliver. I mean, there's a good argument for him being one of the greatest tag wrestlers that's ever to ever to have lived. Oh yeah, like his tag team with Jumbo, but also like, of mm. course, in my opinion, the greatest tag team of all time, which is the Holy yeah. Demon Army. His mm. tag team with Toshiaki Kawada. It's not like Kawada drags him up to to his level. It's like. He's he's on his own level with Kawada yeah. that tag team, and the, the great thing about that tag team is is that Kawada and Dawe are of a similar level with each other, not in terms of star power necessarily, but in terms of skill level. Like and mm. and they're they're different skill sets. Like they they're stylistically they're very different, but they complement each other really well. Like I liken it to very much like a kind of a better version of the Heart Foundation. You know, like where yeah. where, where Brett and uh, Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart like complement each other really well because they were so different. But I, I do think Bret like elevated Neidhart, right? Oh, to the skill level. But that's not the same case with with like. But so Holy Demon Army is kind of like a better version of that. In like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. like you know, Kawada lends more star power to Tawei, but he, you know, Tawei's there stylistic like as a skill level. It's there just stylistically they're different, but it complements them so well. So. Hmm. But let, let's talk about the 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 uh, the match here. It's from, like you said, uh, JP. It's the finals for the the Champion Carnival from 1995. And what can you tell us about this particular uh, edition of the Champion Carnival? Well, it's a fascinating one because it's neither man has won a Champions Carnival. I think before they they come into this, um, which is which is interesting. I don't think. Yeah, it was the idea that um, Tawei had never won it. And he'd beaten Kabashi and he'd beaten Kawada to get there as well. So, it and the other big thing, and this is what I wouldn't have appreciated when I first saw it on tape, because I didn't have this kind of context to it, was the damage to the orbital bone, and that uh, that Misawa had suffered, and that plays itself obviously heavily into the match as well. 
but yes, so it was it was really building up like Tauway had been built up in this tournament. He's taking on Misawa. You know, it's a it's a it for me. Um, yeah, it it they've managed to to kind of build this throughout the tournament of uh, of of getting to this match, and it's it feels like it's Akira Tauway's time to shine. Well, 1995, from a lot of what I've been able to research, is the start of the Miracle Tawei run, as people like to call it, where he was just like on a tear and he was like having all these great matches and, and like getting some significant wins. So um, I'm going to talk about a couple of those here, but you know, just for more background for the, the carnival this year, the 1995 Champion Carnival took place from March 21st to April 15th. It featured 11 wrestlers, and it was in a single-block round-robin format. Uh, there were originally 12 wrestlers, JP, scheduled for this tournament, but the number dropped to 11 on March 22nd when Dr. Death Steve Williams was suspended from All Japan for one year after being found in possession of painkillers at the airport and had returned to the United States. Um, that's the power of Giant Baba, that he did not have to end up going into Japanese jail, which is good for him. <laughs> Yeah, my God, though that's it's it's not the country to mess around with that. No, as we've seen no. many, many times, and many gaijin wrestlers don't seem to understand that. Yeah, if you have a problem with prescriptions or anything like that, maybe coming to Japan to work is is something you have to really, really give a lot of thought to. And so, anyways, mm-hmm. but um, the participants in in this uh, these eleven participants that were in this tournament, and let's I'm going to talk about their their final points that they accumulated throughout it. Misahara uh, Misawa, seventeen points. Akira Tawe, seventeen points. Toshiaki Kawada, sixteen points. Stan Hansen, sixteen points. Ken Kobashi, thirteen points. Johnny Ace, our favorite uh, talent <laughs> relations coordinator, uh, eleven points. Junak Yama with six points. Doug Furness and uh, with six points. Dan Spivey, uh, four points. Dan Crawford. Four points and uh, debuting, I, I think, debuting Takao Mori with zero points. But he would have been a young boy at this point, so it, it would have been surprising if he actually got any points. But uh, let's talk about each man's pass to the finals here, JP. So Tawei had 10 matches. He had eight wins, including wins over Kenna Kobashi and Toshiaki Kawada. He suffered one loss only, and that was to Stan Hansen. And he had a 30-minute draw with Mitsuharu Masawa. Uh, Misawa's path, seven wins and three draws. So his no losses at all. His three draws were with Stan Hansen, uh, Toshiaki Kawada, and with, of course, with, with Tawei. So mm. as you, as you referenced before, so Misawa, um, fractured his orbital bone nine days before this particular match in his bout in his draw with Toshiaki Kawada, which, which seems to have a lot. He gets injured a lot when he, uh, when he faces Kawada. Funny that, isn't it? <laughs> but it has something to do with the fact that they, like, I don't know if it's at this point that they legitimately hate each other, but they if, they, they tend to hurt each other a lot in their matches. They do. I, I'm kind of thinking it is prob- possibly around that time where Kawada's gone right. I'm just going to, we just, I'm just leathering it in at that stage and that the animosity must have been there for that. But my God, when you look at the, uh, like, you know, looking through the matches that Misawa had, like, not only does he have three draws of half an hour, he's got a couple of matches around the 20 minute mark. Everything else is generally over 10 minutes. And, you know, you look at that field that he's in there with as well, some heavy, heavy hitters. Um, I mean, I don't like no one would ever think that he's he's going to lose to Duck Furness, but I, I can guarantee that Duck Furness mm-hmm. probably beat the shit out of him. Yeah. Sounds likely. You're thinking Hansen, uh, even at that point, is probably his eyes would have been gone more than ever at that stage. So, like, uh, it's 
it's a it, it's a, it's a funny old beast, isn't it? Um, but they, yeah, that's a hell of a like. I mean, you're talking about attritional wrestling, like yeah. at that point in time. Like the fact he got a broken orbital bone isn't really a surprise. No. The fact he manages to have a, a match with it to the to this level is something else. Um, it's, it's the mentality of like Japanese wrestlers mm-hmm. at, at that time, you know. Like, I mean, wrestlers in general, I think, you know, have like this. It's kind of like ingrained in wrestling and people in wrestling to like, okay, gotta tough it out. I, I'm glad this kind of mentality doesn't exist anymore. But I think long term health is a lot more important mm-hmm. than having a great match. But yeah, that's something that doesn't surprise me. Like, he broke his oral bone. He's still wrestling. Because he's he's booked to go in the finals, so he's like, I can't, I can't, I can't take time off for this, you know. But with with uh, Tawe, uh, kind of interesting note that he put down Kawada earlier in the carnival, um, and in a very decisive manner. So like he got a really strong win mm. for both Kobashi and and Kawada. So he came, he comes into this match like with a lot of momentum in terms of in the fans' eyes, like, oh shit, he's beaten those two. And now he's and he had the draw with Masawa already. Okay, so it's not clear cut that most people might think, oh, this is just a formality. Masawa is going to win the carnival in the finals. No, there's actually people who would, who are probably thinking, you know what? Mm. Uh, probably a fair number of people, JP. Like, Tawai's got a good fucking chance of winning this thing. Yeah, and I think you can tell that from the the general heat at the start of the match. It feels. Uh, uh, at this point that they know that this feels like it's, it feels like it's 50, 50. And like you say, the fact of those Kawada and Kabashi victories just felt, I think the audience there would have been like, right, this is like, he's being really built up here as well. And the fact that neither man had won it, I think there's a, it felt like of, of all the, a lot of the champ of, of kind of tournament wrestling, this is one where they've kind of got the stakes raised to that kind of great level adding in the injury in there as well into the mix. It's like, it's, it's like perfect kind of sporting drama. Well, the other kind of thing with Tawe that like really, you know, kind of gave him a kind of edge with some fans in the, in their eyes. That is, is that he, at this point in time, he's debuted the, his, his dynamic bomb, which is a sit out power bomb. Mm. Um, and he's also developed the, the like he, his one of his finishing maneuvers is called the Nodoa Otoshi, which is a choke slam. But he's now developed, he's now introduced the avalanche apron version, where he grabs someone off the apron and he and he and he, and he choke slams them off the apron onto the floor. <laughs> and the, the thing about like someone made a point, and I and I have to and I, it kind of like dawned on me. Oh, this is really a good point to make about the Nodoa Otoshi is that. You know, like a lot of the people, like say, for example, the Undertaker or or Sid Vicious, something like when they do a choke slam, the whole point of them doing a choke slam is the height that they get. Mm. The whole point, like with Akira Tawe's choke slam, is not the height. It's like it's when he's bringing them down, like because like everyone says Undertaker's choke slam is light as hell. Like you're not going to get hurt by that. He's like very safe, very safe guy to take the choke slam from. But Akira Tawe is actually picking you up. And then he's going to drive you as hard as he can into the mat while he's still clutching you onto your, mm. onto your throats. <laughs> so it looks, it's actually a pretty powerful maneuver from him. And he, and he is like, you know, about six foot four inches and, and about like 260 pounds. So that's, that, that's pretty, a lot of force being, you know, utilized against you if you're in this, in the Nodo Otoshi here. It's, it's, it's really great because you think of moves to the outside now, and how kind of ridiculously excessive it is that you'll see somebody on somebody's shoulders take a, I don't know, a Canadian destroyer on there. 
and here with this, it doesn't sound like much, effectively, a choke slam from the apron. But like you say, it's it's the way that he delivers and just the kind of credibility he gives it um, as well. So because of his because of his general height and um, and size, he kind of he can get away with it. And because of his awkward style and stance and look, there's a there's like a kind of weird element to it where it's like only he can pull off the move in this way and make it work. I totally agree. Yeah, like it, it. You don't see anyone else doing like a choke slam like him in mm. wrestling in Japan or anywhere else that I that I can recall right now. Um, I think there's not many people who have a body type like like Kiritawa. So I think yeah. that, like you're saying, JP, that that really helps with him delivering a move like this. It, it like it, it's only someone who's as gangly and lanky as he is would make it look as effective as this is mm-hmm. as, as he, as he does. So uh, maybe like if someone else is able to pull off one that looks as good as this, I'll be quite impressed, but let, let's get into the match itself. This, this match was held at the Nippon Budokan, one of my favorite buildings to ever watch wrestling in. And, and JP, you and I, before we were, we started recording, we we're talking about like going, you know, possible future trips to Japan. If we mm-hmm. ever go together, like, we definitely got to see a show. You don't have to go to the Tokyo Dome. I tell this to I told this to, to some people. You do not have to go to the Tokyo Dome. You have to go to Korokan Hall and you have to go to Nippon Budokan. Those are the two yeah. buildings you should plan a wrestling trip around. You Tokyo Dome, it's whatever. Like once you get it past like its size and you get in there, it's like, oh, I'm in a baseball stadium. Whoop de fucking do. But you're in Budokan, it's like this place is awesome. Korokan, it's Korokan, it's history. Like you're walking into history, mm. but this, this is a great building. And I, when I first got to see a show in here, I just felt the weight of, of all the, the great matches I'd seen on tape coming from this building. And it's such, and this, this, this match is no exception, just a great, great atmosphere. Oh, it's a phenomenal atmosphere. Um, it's a shame on the version um, of this match. We don't have the entrances because it's one of the highlights is when you talk about um, Budokan is, is Misawa coming to the ring to his music and the crowd chanting misawa misawa it's it's just like a kind of a sight to behold like just the and and obviously his kind of stoicism but it's one of those things that really kind of hits you about watching wrestling from this period of time and this was very much in the midst of the how many sellouts they had in a row wasn't it i believe so with him headlining with misawa headlining so attendance for this is listed at sixteen thousand three hundred people so that's pretty, pretty impressive Jesus, that's something, isn't it? That's yeah, sixteen thousand. I mean, and they look packed in, and they're absolutely up for this as well. And um, even even the really smart guys who the businessmen in suits in the front row, like even they look kind of pumped for it as well. Well, I think a lot of them are just like those are comp tickets. I think so. They they didn't pay for them, but they're they're still getting into it. So lucky them, haven't they? They yeah. watch history. But um, you're talking about the crowd, and then you know, like we, we miss the entrances on the version that you and I watched. But mm. you know, we get we get the uh, the introductions, and Tawe Akira Tawe is introduced first by our ring announcer, and he gets a vociferous mix of boos and cheers. There's mm. an equal amount, I feel, and and but you know, like it's not just a Masawa crowd in in this building. There are Tawe supporters in, in the audience, and I think. You know, but do you know you got to come to the fact that that Misawa is the ace of the company and he's never won the carnival, and like they're there to see him kind of like get his due with winning the carnival maybe for the first time here. Mm. Yeah, and and it's 
I think this is when we were speaking about it earlier on. It's like you, you get that real feeling of of stakes in this match. And that's something that wrestling doesn't really get right these days, where it feels like these are big kind of matches with a lot on the line. And like you say, just the like it's fascinating the the kind of movements of the crowd in like sort of throughout this match. But um and it's how Tauai manages to kind of almost get around the cheers, if it makes any sense. So mm. um yeah, it, it's it's phenomenal. And that crowd as well, it doesn't re- it doesn't let up at all throughout no there there are ebbs and flows but like once it starts flowing it it doesn't stop yeah yeah so jp why don't you lead us through the 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 match itself here yeah i mean i think the match in and of itself is kind of summarized at the very beginning where they kind of have their first lockup and then it's a case where um he goes for a uh, uh, Tawei goes for well, I was thinking of like snake eyes and because of the orbital bone and Misawa kind of blocks it, manages to go away. He goes for the elbows and Tawei manages to block those. And I think in that kind of little sequence, you've kind of got a nice summary of what this match is going to be of telling you the story where Tawei is not going to be worried about going for the injured eye and the crowd know that. And the thing that Misawa is always going to be doing is using his elbows to kind of create space. And you've kind of got it. I, I think in that kind of moment when they do that, it kind of sets it up. The crowd kind of lose it. And then they kind of have a start. They, they kind of have a, have a bit of a face off, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a tremendous opening. One, one thing I, I made in my notes that I specifically wanted to mention is that, uh, you know, tra- you know, Tawei snake eyes maneuver better than mm. Kevin Nash's. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. He, <laughs> It feels mad. There's like snake eyes as the as as the kind of move, and I'm just thinking, please don't tell me this is all derived from Vinny Vegas because that would be a that's a hell of a long way, isn't it? Going from like a kind of that that was his original finisher in WCW. Um, God, yeah, maybe it was the other way around. Maybe secretly, you know, Big Sexy is a huge All Japan Roller Road uh, mark as well. <laughs> If we go back and like sort of go through his matches, maybe Kevin Nash has been implementing uh, a very Akira Tawei based offense for years, and that's what Steve Austin maybe should have chatted to him about on the Broken Skull sessions. Akira I think Tawai. I think they were too drunk to too drunk to recall them in the nineties, maybe. That, <laughs> yeah, that that's episode. True. But uh, but yeah, I think you make a really great point with Masawa. Like he's really wrestling on the defense here. Mm. He's not the one charging in it, it's akira Tawe is pretty much on the offense and he and he's going yeah he's a lot of his offense is uh, early on and actually when he gets when he gets when he's able to get decisive advantage we'll talk about like that that orbital bone that's his target and he's not afraid to use it and, and the crowd respond to it accordingly yeah they do and like and i think in that way like it, it kind of just gets that extra level of engagement straight away for that being the case and it's also kind of good character work because it makes you realize that like in if there's something to be exploited for for Tawei um to get an advantage he's going to do that like he's going to and it doesn't matter if it hurts you it's like no well I'm going to do this because it's going to have an extra kind of impact and I think it's noticeable as well that a lot of the crowd uh, a lot of the match the camera will focus on like Misawa kind of like feeling his eyes and kind of squinting and towards the end of it it looks like kind of it's like it's quite closed up and it's it's brilliantly done because again it just sort of adds that drama and it's a constant reminder that he's going to be battling with this and like you say it just puts him on the defensive 
Yeah, so you know, for for Tawei, he's the first one to gain advantage in this match. Is you know, he avoids mm. Masao's trademark flying clothesline and he's able to grab a hold of the back of Masao's head. And he just what does he do? He just drives him face first into the canvas. He grabs him midair and it just drives him into the face, his face into the canvas. And I'm just like, that's that's gonna suck, even if you don't have a broken orbital bone, that's gonna suck even more yeah. with a broken orbital. Yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. Just the way the way that he waves it off, and it's the kind of disdain as well that he does that. I'm just going. I'm not going to fall for that. What, so then, from there, like you know, you know, Masawa is like, oh, I've got my my face hurts. I'm going to roll out of the out to the floor. So he rolls out under the bottom rope. But is he safe out there, JP? No. Um, and it's a wild dive, isn't it? It's like he goes through. And it's and it's so awkward, but it's very Tawei. But it kind of that's the thing that makes it is the fact that someone like Akira Tawei doing a um a kind of a plancher through the ropes is is mental when you think about it. And the way that he uh like kind of delivers it, they have a long shot for this as well. And it's just like an like he just sort of seems to almost catch him with his entire body, not just like his elbows. Um, yeah, it's it's quite incredible. And at that point. They start chanting for Tawei. Yeah, I mean, it's like Tawei decided, like, I'm gonna all that, all those psychosis tapes I've gotten, you know, the Triple A, you know, CFL. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put them to use. I'm gonna do a tope, like, like fucking psychosis or something like that. And and keep in mind, like, like you're talking about this long shot. It looks like he folds himself. I don't know. He's not straight. I don't think his body looks like it's yeah. straight. He's kind of going sideways through. That's the, it. The right through the ropes. Not like straight ahead, not like Masao would with like we'll see later, or someone like like for example, Bret Hart, I think always does a good tope. Mm. But like he's kind of going sideways, which is really interesting because like like I said before, Tao is about six foot four, six foot five inches. He's 260 pounds, and he has one of the least athletic looking bodies, the side of Joey Janella. And he still hits this fucking tope like a like a fucking champ. You know what I mean? It's 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 quite amazing to see. If you think about all those factors, it's like, hey man. Who looks less athletic, like than Joey Janela or or or, or Chase Owens? Yeah. It's maybe fucking Akira Tawei, but he's he's still a better wrestler than both of those guys. Oh Christ! Like in his sleep, and I think it's the unorthodox way he comes through that kind of adds to the drama because it feels not like more reckless, but it just feels like it'd be more damaging to Misawa. It's not just a normal; pl- it's a plancher being delivered by someone who's just going kind of using their entire body as a weapon. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a wild, it's a wild moment at that point, and it's and it, yeah, and it's it's the way that crowd they just start they start going for Tower at that point. It's just Tower, Tower, I you know that's the great thing about all Japan is like everyone has a name that you can chant really well. Yeah, Misawa Kawada Kobashi Tower. Like, and they change it. Obviously, like, Tower doesn't have actually two, more than one syllable, but it's but they they uh, you know they they just stretch out the the, the syllable there. <laughs> It's perfect for chance, isn't it? Like all of their names, the way that they do it, yeah, even with the Tawai one, they do the, the, the it's like they like Tawai. Like they, and you just think you've got away with that immediately. You've got that chant down. Um, yeah, there's a God, I, I'm imagining my friends, the, uh, the Ogdens who like to come up with chants that they would, uh, they would have, uh, probably embraced this period of time being able to do kind of chants of these names because they, they absolutely lend themselves perfectly to it. I, I've heard their slander of my, of the great giant Baba. <laughs> I, I, I don't take any, I don't, I don't, uh, 
pay any countenance to the Ogdens and their chance of like uh, my favorite wrestlers. <laughs> oh, they are. Well, we, we would agree to disagree. I bet Bubba might have loved it. He might have loved that kind of sing song. He seemed like a happy go lucky fella. So, but, but <laughs> getting back to the match here, <laughs> what, what, what happens next year, JP? So, I mean, like at, at that point, then, um, it, it's it's one of the things I think he puts him up on that he, he wants to go for the um Nadawa Tashi um at that stage and he sort of manages to to kind of uh avoid that um and it's it's kind of like a lot of it is on like Tawe on the off uh, Tawe on the offense until they have uh, until he delivers like a diving clothesline spot like when they're running the ropes which is like one of the the kind of moments of like kind of weird um like energy and and it's already at that point in the match where we're still quite early on where it's very much like Misawa having to be like defended defending fighting from underneath up against like somebody I, I kind of compare Tawe in wrestling styles to kind of like a southpaw boxer as well where it's very awkward and unorthodox and it doesn't look good at times but it's it's always very effective yeah I mean one of the things like you talk about being Masao wrestling in a de- from a defensive defensive position is like he he goes back to his trademark moves and these always mm. tend to work for him. So, you know, he he's able to turn the tide for himself in this match by hitting his flying lariat, the move that he missed before, but he hits it this time. And mm. then he goes straight into applying the, his his Masao face lock on on Tawei. Um, but Tawei escapes this. And then in a great dickhead move. He, he applies the face lock on Masawa. And the great thing about this is that he's he's positioning this face lock over his eyes. So he's grinding his wrists, like his his knuckles basically, into Masawa's eye eye sockets. And it's just like, oh my God. If you because if you know the context of the injury, this mm. you just think, oh, he's being a dick to Masawa using his own move against him. But no, he's actually this is really smart shit that he's doing here. It's brilliant. And this this is when you talk about his timing. And his timing being perfect about knowing how to do that. Like, for example, like being able to do that initial sort of thumb to the eye and then putting that cut and then putting the face lock, uh, face lock on then afterwards. It's perfect. It's the thing that when you, when you know the context of watching this match, you just think uh, like the reaction makes complete sense because you've taken outside, like, you know, if you didn't know about the orbital injury, you're thinking to yourself, well, like, why are they reacting so much to what we'd think of as a standard kind of eye gouge? But no, it, it's it makes complete, it, you know, in this in this scenario, and the crowd are so sort of knowledgeable about it, they absolutely lose their shit, don't they? Oh, definitely. You know, you know, he, you know, Tao is applying this for you know quite a bit of time, and he's he's changing positions several times, mm. but it's all you know directed towards Masao's overall bone, and you know, despite all the pain. He must be in. Masawa doesn't give up, you know. And you know what? The crowd rewards his tenacity. They they mm. they respect his toughness so much that they reward him with the loud Masawa call. You know, it's great and it's great. It's just like yeah, you get the Tawei cheers before because he did some impressive moves, but now the, the fans are just like, oh, our hero is not giving up. He this is why we love him, and they just start chanting his name, which I just absolutely. This is like. Pro Wrestling 101, yeah, and it's logical, and it, and it gets a, an honest to god, legitimate response from this from this audience. It's great. Quite often, you'll hear a lot about storytelling in wrestling, won't we? Um, this is storytelling in wrestling. This is where wrestling itself is telling 
is telling a story and using the external factors. And they're telling this story and you know it works because the crowd are immediately engaged with it. And it's getting the sympathy onto Misawa at those at those um at those points as well. And I then think then Misawa's selling is kind of then affected by this because I think at this point he starts to kind of he's blinking a lot more heavily during the match. And again, he's he's having to only use the elbows to kind of get away from him at, at, at any of those points. And it's you know, again, we're speaking about like kind of Tauway's character work coming through as well, just being able to just get that crowd back on Misawa's side. And you know, he's you know, Tauway helps this you know this kind of like you know sympathy towards Misawa and like getting heat on himself because he mm. he he grabs Misawa. And then he starts throwing him throat first. Does another snake eyes move better than Kevin Nash's, by the way, uh, throat first <laughs> into the ropes, you know? So like Masao is getting like his, like he's, and he, Masao is selling of his throat being after it's been driven into the top rope. It's brilliant. The crowd starts booing Tawe, you know, like a couple of minutes earlier, they were cheering him and now they're booing him. They're like, Oh, that's a dick move. And, and, you know, could Tawe then brilliantly discontinues this. He applies a dragon sleeper on Masawa in the middle of the ring, but he doesn't wrap it around like the neck. He's very, and it's better than Sonata's because it's over the eyes. What a bastard. Brilliant bastard though. Again, it's though it's, it's those little things. It's just like, it's taking a move and adapting it for the circumstances and generating more heat as a result. It's, it's, it's classic professional wrestling. The selling here from, from Misawa is fantastic. Like when he's in this dragon sleeper, mm. just absolutely brilliant, brilliant stuff. Like he, you can tell like he's in, he's in dire peril. Like he feels like I, I, I might be losing this match because this guy just has my number right now. Yeah. Uh, and it's, again, I think it, it's, this is the reason why having Tawai having those big couple of wins against Kawada and Kabashi, like decisive wins, being able to have those kind of really then adds, I think, so much more then to the match at this point. And then you've, you because you've got Misawa looking like someone, it's like, oh, well, how is he going to be able to, to come back from this if he's not going to be able to see? Like I say, his selling is kind of masterful because, you know, he's always a classically stoic person. But it's the fact of any kind of weakness whatsoever being shown by him has that kind of effect. It's that it, it's, it's an almighty charisma that he has uh, at this point in time like talk about an audience that's just like kind of eating out of the palm of his hand so at, at some point Misawa tries to reverse out of a vertical suplex attempt from Tawe and he goes for a German suplex but you know Tawe just hits this beautiful looking back elbow to Misawa's face and then <laughs> then transitions into this beautiful looking DDT and so like those people say oh he's so awkward looking all his offense is weird looking it doesn't looks like it's not smooth at all Fuck that. This is smooth as hell. No, it's absolutely smooth as hell. I mean, like, in all of this, it it completely works. I mean, he's got kind of like a, a Barber-esque frame, hasn't he, really? Yes. Like, so, like, but it still works. Like, it's still his timing, his positioning in the ring is completely spot on. So, like, when he lands that DDT, I mean, it's lovely. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, nice, it's a nice DDT. But then... Like everything else, when he hits, when he hits his his um his sitting power bomb later on, I mean, this is like someone who, like we, you know, he's he's he knows exactly what the hell he's doing, 
and he's doing it to the best possible effect. Well, you know, you mentioned like that he's very simple. He kind of like looks like giant Baba. Mm. Like I, I kind of feel like my theory was always like, Oh, he's getting a, he's get he gets the push he does because like Baba looks at him and thinks like this is me if i was if i was wrestling in the 1990s this would be me i'd be tawe tawe is me so that's why he got the the push but no because tawe is actually a very very talented wrestler in his own right but you know I don't, I don't think it hurts that like you can see kind of Baba. he's kind of Baba-esque in his frame as well in in, in some ways yeah it is isn't it and it's but then how over was Baba? I'm like, I mean, in, in, in those ways, it, it doesn't feel like the frame kind of, I think maybe I, I, to a Japanese audience at that moment in time, I don't think they would have, would have reacted to his, his frame as much possibly. I mean, I'd imagine like, you know, Kabashi and uh, Kawada and Misawa, even at this point in time, they're all very jacked and good looking guys. But I think at this stage, like you've, you know, it's that it's the differences that make him stand out, and I think that's the the things I think to really appreciate with Akira Tawe, whether it's his wrestling style or his physique. Well, with you, just on a side note about Baba, like if you look at him and who's his contemporary, it would be Antonio Inoki, right? Like Antonio Inoki was like the better athlete, you know, but I think Baba was probably the better babyface of the two. Yeah, so he was so likable. Like it didn't matter that he didn't look like you know, an athlete like, like, like Tony Onoki or, you know, Seiji Sakaguchi did the, the fact that he had so much charisma, like made him as big a star as, as he was. And I think, you know, Baba, I would say was probably more popular than Inoki in mm. terms of like, you know, how many, how much people, he was a beloved figure. Whereas like, I think more people maybe respected Inoki as a wrestler rather than, mm. but like more people liked giant Baba as a baby face. And you see that if you've ever gone down the YouTube rabbit hole of looking at like giant, giant barber media appearances on commercials and stuff like that, he's kind of got the, uh, especially later on, he's just got this kind of like gentle giant granddad feel to him of like, of, of someone you just think could easily kind of enter into like the, the kind of, uh, you know, part of that culture. Um, at that point in time where people would grow up and they'd see this guy and he looks like this kind of gentle giant. So I can completely understand like him being more popular. And that was his role also in all Japan, wasn't it? Is he was the good cop to Makoto Baba. Um, and that's probably like the thing for him is probably easier if he's just the good cop all the time. Life's not too bad. No, I mean, he's uh, he definitely has a better reputation among foreign wrestlers like you know Bruno Sammartino has the famous story where he refused to work for even though like Vince Senior had the relationship at that point with New Japan like Bruno said I'm not working there I work for I only work for Baba because Baba's my friend and like to the point where where I don't know if you ever heard this story like I think it was like on Bruno's appearance before he passed away like uh, with with Dave Meltzer you know doing that very famous interview like he's talking about like oh yeah he's i mailed him one of my cadillacs because like baba was complaining about the cars the car size in japan he's like oh you can have one of my cadillacs and he just like shifted to him because like he, <laughs> he he for free he sent it to baba for free because like he respected baba that much and he liked baba that much so i mean brutal's never likes you and you're a wrestling promoter that's that's got to say something yeah yeah that that pretty much is it isn't it i mean that's the ultimate sort of stamp of approval and you know Bruno for a long, long time. If he if he doesn't like you, my God, you know about it. Um, but in this case, it's like one of the things with Barbers you would never you'd never hear the bad stories, and you know you'd never hear anything about like 
but he also has all the respect of it. I mean, I'd say the one thing is actually Barber's not on commentary for this match, is he? No, it's uh, it's the regular commentator whose name I I, I forget, but it's Mitsuo Momoto. Like so, it's it's Ricky Dozan's son who's doing yeah. the, and I, I I quite like hearing his voice when it's like I I love hearing Baba's voice on commentary. But oh, if, if 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 you don't get Baba, Mitsuo Momoto is like your your second best choice in my opinion. So he has he has that kind of deep voice as well. I remember on the uh, episode you did with Brian Elliott, um, and he spoke about it. It's like Baba sounding like um, is it like the the teacher in Charlie Brown. Yes. <laughs> Which, um, th- that's now stuck with me every single time. Oh, he definitely has that, you know, deep, deep voice that sounds like it's being like filtered through like 17 different briny, you know, effects or something like that for sure. Yes. <laughs> so, but, but back to our match here at this point, Tawei is like thinking, okay, like I got to start polishing off Masawa here. So he tries for, for one of his signature new finishers, the dynamic bomb. But, you know, mm. Masao is not at that point where he's going to get into this move at all. So he is able to reverse it into a Frankenstein for a Frankensteiner for a two count. Uh, then Masao rallies his offense with this beautiful series of elbows and kicks, including one to the back, back of Tawei's head that just knocks Tawei down to the mat. From there, there's a elbow and spinning back kick to the head that sends a Tawei through the ropes. And then Masao himself follows up with his own, uh, you know, version of the Tope, the elbow suicida, which I, I love this name. I'm just mm. glad they, the commentators always say elbow suicida <laughs> like that. And, and like every time he does th- this move and then uh, from there, like the actually doesn't stay out there that long. It goes back into the, into the, the ring itself. And then, you know, Masao hits one of his flying top rope flying elbows, but uh, you know, it's a vicious looking elbow strike to Tawei's face, but he only gets a two count for this. And uh, you know, rightfully so you don't want the match to end at this point, JP. Oh God, no, but it's, it's also the way that um, like in terms of a comeback period, it's not sort of one that doesn't feel like drawn out and protracted. It's, it's a case where like kind of, Misawa is having to kind of be more intense because he's fighting from underneath. But yeah, could be ending it with that. But you know what, though? I mean, this crowd is biting on these finishes early doors, isn't it? Like, I mean, even sort of like from the 10 minute mark, they're like, yep, like they're completely with it. So like, they're, they're doing something right. Uh, Misawa follows up with a series of vicious looking elbows. Like, one, one thing you got to say about his offense, like he's fighting on the defensive, and when he gets on offense, my mm. God, he he lets it loose on Tawei with especially like the strikes to Tawei's face. It's unbelievable how how hurtful, how like painful these look. Oh God, it's absolutely, it, it's completely nasty. Like especially to the one where he goes to the outside, where it's it's like he looks like he's completely like kind of like knocked out it's really odd it's like he's 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 really just sort of like crawling around on the floor which that's the thing that kind of makes misawa work so much is is it's it's the kind of variety of that kind of elbow offense and knowing that like someone is playing to his strengths and it's always kind of get that reaction because that move is so over with the audience yeah and and from from here like he goes for the tiger driver but Tawei, you know, smartly realizes where he is. He gets to the rope, so he blocks uh, being able to get lifted up in the Tiger Driver. But, you know, Masawa is okay. He goes for more, you know, another flurry of elbows to Tawei, including a rolling one that, uh, you know, a rolling elbow that knocks Tawei 
into the 21st century. Like, and like, you know, you know, a friend of the show, Joseph Monticelli, who does the great video essays on, on mm-hmm. all Japan pro wrestling of this era, he, he likes to say Masawa's elbow is God. And this is why, like this force with which he heads Tawei, like, like it's so, it looks like Tawei's like legit fucked up to the point where, you know, referee Kyo Iwata, he comes over, he, he pushes Masao away. Like Masao is going to pick him up to continue the match, but Wada pushes him away. says cause I think he, he legit is checking on him to see if he's okay. Yeah. Or not. Yeah, you do get that impression for it. Like it really feels that way. The crowd start cheering for him again, <laughs> as as well around that point. Um, and it's it's a really like, I mean, if it's a sell job, it's a hell of a sell job. But you get that impression that um, yeah, the referee's coming over to, to check on him, moving a hell of a lot quicker than he does these days. No, yes, yeah. we we will not talk about Koi uh, Wada in the year twenty twenty one. It's it's much it's much more fun to talk about him in the year nineteen ninety five because he's yeah. he's probably the greatest referee working in wrestling at this point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And my, my God, he's having to do his work, isn't he? He's really having to earn his money at that point in time. But yeah, um, it's it's great the way that. I think you you have you adding these little kind of elements to the match and these elements to the story, um, in 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 the fact as well that it's just sort of showing that Misawa's elbows again. It's the thing about you know getting getting that move even more over and making it look even more devastating. I mean, Misawa decides, okay, he looks like he's out. I'm gonna go for a pin. He gets you know two point eight seven five. <laughs> count here before Tai kicks out to to a great reaction from the crowd uh Tawe, yeah. uh ben wisely rolls out to the floor to catch a breather where we see his comrades in the holy demon army yoshinari ogawa and uh, masanobu fuchi you know looking over their comrade in arms with a lot, a lot of concern in their especially ogawa he's like he's like is this guy okay like i just saw him take a vicious mm-hmm. elbow to the face and it was mad watching ogawa because i was thinking to myself uh, there's a Noah match I'm meant to have watching, <laughs> watching with him coming up in the year 2021. But yeah, like you say, it's it, it's always great. Like it's one of the the kind of visual delights I think is looking to the outside with all of the various kind of faction members and 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 the seconds and thirds who are coming to the to the ring with them as well. Is it just adds that element of legitimacy? And I like that kind of cramped ringside with the photographers as well i think it it, it it i think it just adds much more to the kind of drama of like having your team in the corner yeah i always like the you know it makes the wrestling feel legitimate yeah you know when you have photographers and and seconds and they're not interfering they're there just to lend you know moral support to to the person in the ring <laughs> you know it's, it's it's so much more preferable for me at least than like a bunch of idiots wearing bullet club t-shirts constantly interfering in someone's match especially if it's a world title yes. match and it's just like wow this sucks i don't want to see this in wrestling in my wrestling that i want to watch so mm. but uh from here a back suplex from masawa uh gets a two count and then he goes again for the tiger suplex but you know Tawe luckily gets to the ropes again he's 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 a good ring general he knows he has ring awareness he knows how to like be able to like stop these moves as they're probably gonna end the match for him uh, from here, Masawa goes back to the elbows, but Tawei counters with an eye rake. And this is great. It's a simple eye rake. It's like you you see like in every, you know, Jim Cracker promotions match featuring Tully Blanchard. And it gets the crowd to boo him oh. so loudly because it's, it's again, the context is it's, he's going after Masawa's injured eye socket. Yeah. And he's not 
I mean, it's cheating per se in that very kind of small way, but it's, it's absolutely perfect because it's also, it's, it's the thing about him being so on the defensive and just going, right, this is a way that I know that I can change the context of this match is just by raking him in the eyes. And obviously viewing, if you don't know the story, like as I say before, like the first time round, like it, it, you lose that kind of nuance of why the crowd are reacting in that way, which just shows you the kind of small, those small little piece of psychology and the timing of when it's delivered as well. And then like at that point, like, you know, it's, it's, it's also um, him doing it again. And then he rubs his boot in his face as well. And it's just like, and at that point you think, all right, the fucking gloves are off here. Tawai's not going to be dicking around. He's going straight for the injury. Well, I, you know, this is the kind of, you know, quote unquote heel work that I love seeing yeah. in, in, in the context of Japanese wrestling. It's he's what's, what's Tawi doing? He's not like spraying someone in the face with a can of fucking cold spray or, or using a fucking broom or anything shit like that. He's exploiting an opponent's injury and yep. he's being unsportsmanlike. And this elicits a reaction <clears throat> like that you don't see too often in, in Japanese wrestling in the last, you know, 10 years when you get other people doing heel stuff that they think is heel stuff. But I think, you know, a lot of the reaction fans give to, let's, let's, let's just say the Bullet Club, like let's say Kenny Omega and the, and the, and the Young Bucks and at the height of like Kenny Omega's like god awful junior heavyweight period, heavyweight championship period where he's like the Young Bucks are interfering and people are booing them. But that's performative booing, you know, it's performative because, oh, we're supposed to boo at this American style of rule breaking heel work but they're not it's not genuine like these people actually hate Tawe mm. for for being an being being like a bad sportsman like they we we want to see clean fighting we want you to have a you know like a we don't want to yeah. see you close fisting your you know what i mean it's just like we don't want to see you going after his, his injury fight him fairly as fairly as possible but this is this is more this is not the, the this is not the easy way this is like the more difficult way but Tawe does it brilliantly yeah, absolutely, and it's something that the other, the 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 other three pillars are not able to do. We spoke about it earlier on that the Fuji would be the uh, would be the one that that he would he would have been learning quite a lot of of these tactics from. But it's perfect, and it kind of feels more actually like kind of sport where we will see people who like players, whether it's in, you know go from basketball to the NFL, where they'll they'll be a bit dirty and they talk about sports, you know, not being sportsmanlike. And then they'll just be like, yeah, cause we're here to win. And it's that kind of attitude, I think as much as anything else that you're kind of like really booing. It's like, Oh my God, like you are the kind of person who would exploit an injury just in order for you to get ahead. And it feels like Tawai's reaction to that is like, yeah. And what of it? And it's, it's brilliant. I mean, he, he says, you know, he just continues. He puts an exclamation point on everything he just did before by picking Masao up and then drives him face first into the top turnbuckle. So he's like, yeah, I don't, you can boo me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to win this match now because I got him where I want him. Cause like, I'm going after his eye, you know, um, from here, like, you know, Dawei does actually show a great deal of athleticism because he hits one of the most beautiful drop kicks in, in wrestling at this point. Cause he, you know, for guys, so mm. awkward looking, he does have a really nice looking drop kick. This, this knocks Misawa to the floor and here Tawe grabs Misawa off the apron and gives him a backdrop suplex onto the floor. 
And so Tawi's already on the floor. He's not doing it from the apron himself. He's, you know, Masao's on the apron, but he's on the floor. And like, so it's not as dangerous as it might sound here. And, and um, from here, Tawi wants to hit his Nodo Toshi Choklem off the apron to the floor. And keep in mind, these kinds of spots were rare and new in 1995. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like by 19, I don't know, 1997, 98, there, maybe they're a lot more commonplace. Definitely from 2000 to now. Oh, yeah. Apron spot, whatever. Yeah. And do you know what? And it doesn't mean, like, you know, it doesn't mean anything these days. And here it does mean something because, like, the tease for this, immediately the crowd kind of know what it is and they know that this is, like, a new and exciting move, I suppose, for them to be able to see. But they also kind of are aware that, that it could be, obviously, very, very devastating. And it's, like, it, it, it's it's fantastic. And the only thing that, like, kind of Misawa's got to kind of fight him off. He's just sort of belting him with the elbows. But it's a great tease, obviously, then leading to the to the spot that we'll see later on. And like and even with the backdrop driver, again, it's these it's things that these days that I kind of really loved when rewatching that makes you think, oh my God, like, do you remember that point? Like a, a backdrop driver to the to the outside, like it really means something. Whereas these days we don't have that. I don't want to sound like some sort of Jim Cornette arsehole type of just sort of not like slow it down make things have meaning but this is where i think it kind of really works best of like no 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 don't do this now tease this spot build it up so when it when we do deliver on it it's a much bigger deal no definitely i i I do think you know people like to reference this period of like Japanese wrestling, particularly all Japan and saying this, I was influenced by this, you know, like, like no ring of honor is like this, right? Like they, but I think they take a lot of the surface and none of the substance. Yeah. They've taken the drops to the head. Like sometimes it's like, as, as that being the kind of big thing from it, rather than what the point of, um, you know, King's road is and that kind of build up and gradual storytelling. Uh, back in the ring, Masawa goes for a kick and Tawe is able to grab the leg. But, you know, Masawa, quick, quick thinking, he hits Tawe in the face with his, with like they say enziguri. It's not an enziguri because it's not to the back of Tawe's head. So people who don't know, like a, a, a shot to the back of the head, that's an enziguri because that, that means back of the head. Uh, to the face, so to the front of the face, that's the gamanguri. So he hits it kind of a gamanguri, but not with his, with his, with, with his with his other knee which i think just looks really impressive um he follows that with a senton and a frog sledge which and elicits a two count for him on Tawei. Uh, masawa hits more elbows and goes for a rolling elbow but Tawei ducks that uh and goes for a back suplex masawa lands on his feet this is a great sequence masawa lands on his mm. feet there's a bridging suplex to Tawei. one two Tawei kicks out the crowd this is one of my favorite crowd reactions they start stopping their feet in approval and mm. audit and they are audibly becoming unglued here and i can say that i have many times at budokan hall and korokan hall and in osaka's you know perfectual gymnasium i have done the foot stomping it's it's better than one two that fucking bullshit stop your feet people especially you uk fans start learning how to stop your feet instead of doing your stupid fucking chance I, I would go along with that. The stomping of the feet is something I'm a big, big fan of. But yeah, by Christ, the crowd lose it. Like at this stage, they they really do. And, you know, this is it. Like we've gone through at this point, sort of various the kind of ebbs and flows of the match. And they are completely with them. And they're buying these moves, even though they know that they're not like the traditional finishers. I think it really says something that 
that the crowd that the crowd are reacting in this way. Uh, from here, Tiger Driver, one, two, kick out. Yeah, Commentators does, does a great Tiger Driver. Tiger like Driver. Yes. Tally blocks another Tiger Driver. So Masawa attempts a vertical suplex, but Tally reverses that, sending Masawa over his head and onto the apron. So then Masawa lands feet first on the apron and goes for another elbow. But Tally responds by, by blocking that shot and then simply chopping like like a you know you know what it looks like it looks like a movie karate chop he lands a movie style karate chop to masawa's face <laughs> to his orbital bone and my god the crowd their boos are so loud it's great oh it's absolutely super but it makes sense as well that he would do that like it's it's that thing because he's because he's on the apron and realizes actually i can set up for the um uh i can, I can set up for the choke slam and it's it, it's kind of like it's brilliantly done like the just just that little it's the simplicity of the chop because it feels like it almost feels like quite comedic in its own like like weird way like if you see a karate chop in a film now it it feels kind of almost like silly well it's it's the pause i i think like he i watched this match twice and i went watching this spot twice like you know i'm I'm like noticing both times it's like he chops in the face the crowd boos, and then he pauses, like he's soaking up their their hatred. <laughs> it's yeah. great. I I just like he's like, yeah, I chopped him in the face, and it worked. Fuck you. <laughs> From here, like you know, he senses, like he takes that moment to soak it in, but he also like senses, oh, this is my spot. This is I got him now. He goes onto the apron, he grabs his sour by his throat, and gives him the Nadoa Otoshi off the fucking apron onto the floor and it looks like he fucking killed Masawa here. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um oh my god this is great. Like it abs- like they completely lose it. And you- this is where I also think as well you see the variation of the choke slam because I think that the good thing about it and it's 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 I just love the way that like you can just see Tawei's eyes see his arm holding onto the rope and he's like right going to get rid of that. Here we go. But it's the idea that you say about like driving him down. Like, so he's kind of landing down there with him rather than him being stood up on the apron and then just sort of doing a choke slam with him, with Misawa just sort of falling to the mat. It's that drive through. And because it's on the apron, you, you get to see that almost more. And that's why you can tell with the audience, they just sort of realize, well, that's a, they view that as a game changing move and they react accordingly. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it, Tawei also reacts accordingly because it takes forever for him to drag mm. Misawa back into the ring. But once he gets him in there, he goes for a pin and makes he makes sure to hold both of Masao's hands, but he misses the feet. You got to hook the leg because Masao is able to get uh, you know to the rope with with his free foot, so it breaks the count there. Um, Tawei uses all of his strength to pull Masao up to his feet, you know. But Masao lands one more elbow smash to the to escape uh, and he to get out of the ring, and so this is his time. He's like he he knows like I I need to recover from this choke slam from the apron, so he he's outside, you know. Um, Back in the ring, Tawei hits a beautiful release uh, German suplex for near fall. Tawei tries for another choke slam, but Masao reaches the ropes again. So Tawei DDTs him and then hits a leg drop for good measure. This is just, just like back and forth between these two yeah. here in the kind of the, we've kind of reached the crescendo of the match here, JP. Yeah, we have. And as any good tournament final, it should be like up in the air. If you want to set up a good final, you need to like, I keep on mentioning stakes for this. But because at this stage we're probably what around the sort of like twenty odd minute mark, 
it's at the point where the audience has been so well conditioned to thinking, okay, we can like, it's, it's like they've, they've gone with the ebbs and flows of the match and they do realize that they, as you say, they're hitting the crescendo. Um, so it's it's superb way you've got this back back and forth and no one's looking no one is looking weak or anything else and it's you know and Tarway still still has that sort of craftiness that he's going to employ uh, at various points. Well, from here, he's nothing crafty about what he does next. It's the dynamic bomb. One, two, Masawa kicks out at two point nine. This is a great looking. This is one of my favorite looking power moves, like power bomb moves. Like just because like the, you know, the height that he gets his opponent up in and then just like his form when he brings the opponent down and he's, he's coming to sit down as well. Yeah. He times his sit down and Misawa hitting the mat simultaneously. He looks great, but it's also like there's a slight release on it. So it's not like he's kind of like completely. Yeah. Like you say, it's just like a really great power move. And and the crowd again, like you were saying, this is a new, relatively new move for him, and the crowd immediately are kind of buying it as a devastating type of move. I think he's won some key matches with this from at this point, so like it, mm. people can believe, okay, this is, and like you're saying, like it's up in the air, right? Because like the thing with how Masao had been booked before, like there's a lot of delayed gratification when it comes to Masao. Like it took forever for him to beat Jumbo. Yeah, um, he never beat Jumbo for the Triple Crown. And, you know, like people have came, I think people were conditioned to, to think that like, not everything's like assured for Misawa. Like, okay, he, we want him to win the carnival. Finally, that's one of the big things we want for him. But if he didn't win it this year, it wouldn't be, you know what I mean? It would be like, okay, next year, you know, it's kind of the Naito effect. Yeah. Like, this is kind of like how, how New Japan booked Naito. You know, this is what Baba was doing back in the 90s with with, with Misawa. It's like he, it took him a while to win to beat Jumbo. It took him a while to win the Triple Crown. Um, he never beat Jumbo for the Triple Crown. And it's like, okay, he has, you know, the Carnival had been back for several years by that point, but he hadn't won it yet. So it was like Jumbo it was like Stan Hansen and some other people. And it, mm. once Misawa's turn. So if Baba had booked Misawa not to win the tournament until like the year after the year after that, like it wouldn't, it wouldn't really be surprising in hindsight. Exactly. And I think that's, uh, I mean, that's one of the kind of appeals. I mean, speak about delayed gratification. We haven't brought up like Kawada, um, <laughs> which feels like the ultimate in delayed gratification, really, really with him. But it's it's what you can do in terms of booking if you've got those four people to base this around and realize look, these are the bigger, longer term stories and they'll work in whatever gaijin they would at various points in time to kind of run interference almost. But that's the, that's the beauty of, of Barber being able to do that is knowing, right, I'm relying on these four. We can have these stories go on for years, knowing full well, this is how to maximize your, you know, the, the value of these matches where rematches, are worth as much if not more which is kind of more in line again with you know bringing up things like boxing oh i mean it's it's the difference between a live gate based business model and a television Mm -hmm. ratings model right a television deal model like which is like that's i think the problems if you want to talk about very quickly like wd you know modern day wv is booking Mm -hmm. is like they don't care about drawing a crowd anymore because they have guaranteed television rights money so 
what do they care if people don't come to their shows? They still are getting a, a shitload of money. Whereas like a company like 90s in Japan is very, very dependent on pleasing the fans and creating anticipation for that next, the next match and the match after that, because they want to continue the momentum of, of having selves at, at places like Budokan and across the country. So mm-hmm. they have to think we, we have to have this, these great matches that make sense, but we also have to create you know, the matches that people want to see between the same guys again in the future. And so, you know, so with Masao, it's like, it's like the really gratification. We want, we want to be there when Masao does this, when Masao achieves this milestone yeah. in his career, and, or when Kawada does this, or when Kobashi does this, or when, you know, Tawi does this, or Stan Hansen, whatever. And so, like, Ian Bob was really good at that. It's like, I think the reason why it's so smart to have not one particular wrestler to be the top star in your company. You, I, I, if I was a booker, if I was a wrestling booker, I would, if, if I was lucky enough to have potentially three to four guys, I would ideally like to have four or five of mm. people that I could, you know, interchange into my main event scene. I wouldn't necessarily have that one massive star. Like I wouldn't necessarily just want to have the rock or Steve Austin. I, I would want, you know, like I, I think WB squandered that when, you know, they had the shield breakup, you, you could have potentially yeah. made like, if you, if you booked them correctly, like Moxley, S.G. Ambrose, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and then like a couple other people in other factions, whatever, could have been, you could have had a rotating group of like five or six guys who could have been your world champion and drawing money for you and TV ratings, but, they, but they're idiots, so they squandered all that away. And it's going to be impossible to get back to that ever again, in my opinion. But anyways, um, you know, Tawei, you know, back to Tawei, he continues his, he tries to continue his assault of Masala, but, you know, but Masala, again, his, I think his instincts kick in here. He's able to keep Tawei at bay here. He, he teases another Tiger driver, but Tawei powers out of that. Tawei teases a chokeslam, but ends up tossing Masawa into the corner instead. Uh, more back and forth and action between these two until Masawa hits another massive rolling elbow, dropping Tawei. And and it's great, like that. You know, mm. when when in doubt, just go for that rolling elbow. It's it's a great move. It's a, and that's again. I always think it's the thing about making sure that you're getting a move that you can really hit in a number of different ways to keep the variety up. But also at the same time, it looks like it fucking hurts. So, like he's got the the capacity of this of having his elbows. If ever he's in danger, it's a good callback to go to. So again, from from a storytelling perspective, it means that like it, it, it's a really credible way for him to fight out of situations because it's been built up as this way as like no, if he's hitting you with those elbows, you are done for. And again, it's that kind of logical sports logic of like it creates a space and distance, like sort of being able to kind of push Tawei away. Yeah, he goes for the pin after this this elbow. But, you know, Tawei's you know is too tough at this point. He kicks out. Uh, mm. This and in like two years before, they would have pinned him. He would have pinned him with this move. But yeah. this Tawei in '95 is like Tawei's a different animal. Like two years from you know, out of removed from like 1993, uh, Masao lands another German suplex at the 25 minute mark, and then he's fought, it follows that with another tiger driver. And then you think, okay, that's it, that combo, that's done. Tawi's done, nope, super close two count, but Tawi kicks out of that as well. Uh, he elbows Tawi again, but Tawi brilliantly rakes the eyes, yeah, <laughs> out of the crowd. Anytime he goes in for those eyes. Just great stuff. Uh, Tawei goes for the eye again, but you know, Masawa, he's had enough of this shit and throws him aside. He follows with another elbow smash. 
a bridging Tiber suplex by Ty kicks out at two and a half. And you can see some great reactions from the crowd at this point, JP, including this one guy. He gets out of his seat. He gets oh. to stand in the aisle and his, express his disbelief. He does what I call an Alan Cunahan fist pumping move. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I was remembering this guy. He is. It was the thing that actually, it, it's probably the quality of the version as well, where sometimes you can't really make out like kind of the specifics of, um, of, of the crowd there. But he's tremendous. The way the the way that he's running there, doing the, that doing that the, particular the, section, pump. like their reactions in that particular section of Budokan, <laughs> they are across from the heart oh, camera. Shit. It's great. Like these, he's not the only one. There's like tons of people. Like like ah, oh, and it's you know. so packed. Oh yeah, and it's even weirder after you know after having gone going through a global pandemic that you see an audience like sort of this packed together and they're all reacting. There's like you know even mention like the people in the front row are, 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 start, are starting to re- are react into this as well um yeah it's absolutely great and then like when he when he does the kick out as well like again this is when you're you're talking about how do you how do you protect these guys as well it's just like well you're given the fact that now it takes it's not just one tiger, tiger drive that it's gonna take to finish off tower no it, it's not even a tiger driver that does it because from here Misawa gets up he lands another a picture perfect suplex. bridging tiger suplex for the one, two, and three. And Masawa vanquishes Taoway and is the winner of the 1995 Champion Carmel after 27 minutes and three seconds of an absolute battle, a war with Akira Taoway here, JP. Yeah. Um, tremendous, tremendous ending. And it's not like Taoway loses anything from not having won this as well. If anything, like the, the tournament has done the job of elevating him. Um, I think it's another, it's another Misawa masterclass. Um, the crowd reacting that way. Spartan X is playing like people are, have, have lost their minds and they're, they're chanting Misawa who is, and there's a great post sort of match sequence. I don't know. Did you manage, did you watch that as well with the presentation and him being interviewed in the ring? Cause that's, that's like also, like tremendous i don't think i saw it. i think i got to the point where you know he does go over to i might have fast forward to that but like the part that stands out for me is the part where he just he go he he walks across the ring to go shake Tawei's hand for yeah. giving him this amazing match like for his first carnival win and such a memorable you know performance from Tawei that i think he genuinely you know despite being like clobbered in the eye multiple times and 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 causing him great pain. He, he still appreciated the, the, the effort from Tawe and he, and he, and he shook his hand. And I, I love moments like that where yeah. you break kind of break kayfabe, but it's, it, but it makes wrestling seem more real when you do that. So, Oh yeah. The, the context of it, it makes complete sense, isn't it? Because it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a big moment. It's, you know, this, this happens a lot as we say, like, you know, again, sorry to go back to kind of real sports, but, like at the end of boxing or MMA where two people would have been giving each other all sorts in the ring at the time. And then afterwards, you know, they're going to shake hands for the most part, unless you're Conor McGregor and you're a child. Um, but you're going to, you're going to shake hands and like, kind of like show your appreciation and because it's a tournament final. I always think that's when you want to put in those little aspects of legitimacy in there of like the appreciation. All right. This person to get to the final, 
has really had to prove themselves. And then by having that level of match, they've really proved themselves. And if Misawa is the kind of measuring stick, which he very much is, then he'll be looking at that and going, that's going to be one of the special matches that people talk about and appreciating Tawai for that. Definitely. So final, final thoughts on, on this match for you, JP. Well, um, I think it's an absolute classic. I think it's the, it's the, to say it's the highlight of Akira Tawai's career. I'd have to say it's still the tag. Like it's still super generation army versus Holy Demon army. Um, you know, that for me, is um it, it, it is there, but this is the best singles match of his career, and it's the thing that you want to take into consideration when thinking about Akira Tawe in in all Japan and and the fact that he does kind of get overlooked. It's like, well, to deliver on this, like it takes two to tango, and Masawa. I mean, throughout throughout your series, like Masawa has gotten the praise that he absolutely rightly deserves. But I like the fact that this is like a, a shining point for Akira Tawe. I went on to grapple. I rated it five stars. I've, I've seen some of the, the ratings on cage match as well. I think on grapple at the moment, it's about 4.84. So it's in that top echelon of, uh, of, all, time, of all time matches. Well, I, I, I did not go as high. I gave it four and three quarters, 4.75. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I do think it's an amazing match. I don't know. For me, just my gut reaction, it's not a five-star match. My gut reaction, and I usually go with my gut reaction when it, when it comes to, like, giving something a five. Mm. I'm, a lot, I'm a lot more picky these days. So um, I, I still love it. Don't get me wrong. I, 4.75 is pretty high Yeah, as, as a general rule for me. But, <laughs> like, but I don't know. It just didn't get to that extra hump for me to, to give it, but Tawei Tawei in this is just absolutely brilliant. And I can see why like people give it five. I can see why Dave gave it five. Um, and it, I, I think he deserves like Tawei has had like other matches in his career that could have been a five-star match. Like if, if you get, if like, if you discover them and you rewatch them, I'm pretty sure there's got to be at least one more out there that I would probably give five stars maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe I haven't found my five-star Kiritawi match yet. Maybe that's uh, part of the, 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 the journey on the long and winding yeah. road road here. That I will finally <laughs> find a match that I say, that's a five-star singles uh, Kiritawi match. And then we're going to, we, we will be day of celebration for Kiritawi. Who knows? <laughs> He kind of, I, I think it's probably the time, isn't it? That there's this kind of like, well, I think it's worth going back and, and, and yeah, just going through the vaults now as more more footage becomes available. And um, again, to, to refer back to your earlier conversation that you had uh, with, with Brian Elliott, the idea of having like, uh, if they had um, a subscription service, is it NTV who'd own the... Uh, the yes, it's NTV, yeah. yeah, if they just put something out there, like and he just went and it was great quality you just think oh you know you'd definitely subscribe to that for a bit wouldn't you just to to go back and watch these in in like sort of as good a condition as you can find them well they they do have them in in like pretty good quality because i i know because like people have pirated these things in good quality so It must the masters must be exist out there still tapes back in the day wh oh yeah there's some great people out there who have access to 
to some great footage from from uh, the '90s, particularly for all Japan. That's a good thing. We're lucky. Most of that stuff exists, and it exists mm-hmm. for for free for the most part. But like, listen, I would pay if there was a if there was a viable you know subscription service to access like classic all Japan matches. It was like it was like in line with other other you know streaming services like ten bucks a month. I I would pay that. <laughs> to, to, yes. Oh, let's fire up 1993, baby. Oh yeah, okay, no problem. I would do it. So there you go. That's a brilliant idea. We need to get in on this. So let, let, what's what's uh, what's uh, going on beyond this episode for for JP Hulan? Mm. So what's going on for me at the moment? Well, you can find me. Uh, well, uh, Patreon patreon.com forward slash grapple um obviously you're going to be on grapple spotlight we'll be out there uh, uh, by the time people get to to listen to this so that's going to be a, a hell of a lot of fun really looking forward to that and then you can find me on twitter uh the handle is uh jpjp three e's yeah it's these uh let me let me i'm just gonna say again like i'm a, i i support the grapple patreon because because i i i loved Spotlight's a free show, but mm-hmm. I think it's such high quality. It has been from the guy the moment you and Benno and, and Joe Lemon originally launched it when, when Joe unfortunately left for, for you know, I completely understandable reasons, left mm-hmm. podcasting about wrestling, but like Garrett took over. I, I was initially one of the people like, oh, is it going to be as good? But you know what? I love Gareth because Gareth, one thing Gareth shares the same sentiments about Nick Gage and Drew McIntyre <laughs> as me. And we'll talk about that on the spotlight show that I'll be on. I'm sure it'll be fun, fantastic time. Maybe the entirety of the, of, of, of your, your, your chat room is going to turn on me during the show, which, Hey, that's, that's okay. I don't mind that, but uh, yeah, it'll be good. I love, I, I, I love Gareth. He's such, he's so funny. I love listening to him. And of course you're, you are my favorite podcaster out right now because like, I just love hearing your, your, your opinions about wrestling JP. And I think, you know, it's, I, Probably because they they fall in line a lot with my, my own for 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 most of them for most of your opinions. So and and yes, you have those that wonderful dulcet tones of of your British accent as well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. I mean, I I record enough now. It feels like my content is a. Uh is all over the place uh, at, at this stage for that, but it's 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 great fun doing it. And I think as crowds start to come back, certainly in the West, it's been more exciting. Kind of covering, watching wrestling, and I'm generally, as you know, like the kind of canary in the coal mine. If there's the kind of odd shows, it's or like things that are slightly more niche or more likely to watch it. So as I've said, I've I've sort of like gotten into stardom really i think a great time as well um and i think it's that kind of stuff that's made interesting really fun and then having this period of time during lockdown to use it to go back and watch lots of classic all japan to just go well i now have that excuse to to kind of sit down and do that and that's and and that's the kind of thing that's like kind of major thing if you even if you didn't want to watch wrestling pandemic wrestling there was always these things to come fall back on yeah like there's so much great stuff from the past and it's one of the reasons why I do the show is to kind of 
you know, get it out there. I, I, I like to think maybe if I've even converted one person into being a fan of this era, uh, then I've been, it's all, it's worth the, the effort that, that goes into these, this show and these episodes, but, uh, yeah, you can find me at WH park nine. I do a monthly show with John Pollock about the overall Japanese scene post Perez. And sometimes I do a bonus episode with a rotating set of guests and might, might be bringing that back for, for August. We'll see. Um, also I do, uh, Disney plus, uh, review show with, with waiting called MCU later. And you know what JP is going to be uh, a guest on that show in the near future. When we start oh. reviewing, what if J, you know, like I, I asked JP if he's, if he would like to be on it, he said, yes. So then I presented it to Wayne. Way was like, and I quote way that'd be fucking great. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm so looking forward to that because it's one of the things like, I, I probably come to, to the Marvel stuff from us. I'll talk about this when I'm on there, like from a slightly, it's been like kind of part of me being a dad as well. Cause I realized that, that we all kind of have watched all of these together, but these latest series of, of Disney plus shows and then listening to you just with your, your knowledge of, of Marvel, like encyclopedic knowledge and then hearing yourself way when rich fan is on it as well. It's just been tremendous. And I listened to that with my sons, <laughs> like they get it. They're like, Oh no, no, there's loads of stuff we're missing lads i'm gonna put this on i know they're like oh right okay so old loki is a that's the thing it's like yeah yeah (laughs) it's just so it's been it's been like brilliantly like informative for me as well so i I absolutely love um mcu later well well, thank you i'll have we'll have to get your uh your son's uh more in-depth uh opinions about like listening to the show when you're on the show we'll save that for, yes. for mcu later but uh jp thank you so much for coming it's kind of absolute like, pleasure thank you for picking this match it's been a long time since i watched it and uh yeah thank you for all the great work you guys you benno and, and gareth do over at grapple thank and you so uh thank you everyone for for listening supporting the show thank you for to all the people again who bought the t-shirt so far store.postwrestling.com just type in my name or you know long and winding road road you'll you'll get the link for for the to, to to buy the shirt go buy it it's brilliant designed by my friend sean mckenzie who i work with and i've known him for 20 years and he came out of retirement as a graphic artist to do this jp do you know that i didn't know that that's i'm i'm so looking forward to this arriving you're you're gonna see me probably stood on top of a hill he with he hates wrestling i i just sent him he hate, he doesn't he doesn't know, knows nothing about wrestling. He doesn't know who any of these guys are. I just sent him images and I just explained their characters to him. And he came up with with these images of you know of these guys who may or may not be the real four pillars. Yeah, <laughs> but I think he did a really good job. So I, I'm really happy with the images and how the T-shirt turned out. And and a lot of the design work is 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 a collaboration of like. You know, the, the layout is a declaration between me, me and Wei just going back and forth with the emails. I'm like, hey, should this change here? We do this, that. And so that's the final product. And I'm really happy with it. I, I think I just got mine today. I think mine came in the mail. So, Oh, good work. So maybe you and I will be wearing them simultaneously tomorrow. It will do. Yes. We'll have to coordinate this. And then people who are... Uh, who are who are going to be watching this on on the on the uh, the Grapple Patreon gimmick? Maybe seeing two 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 handsome men, one one Korean Canadian, one one Br- Irish. Uh, what do you call someone who's? I'd be I'd be Irish British. I've got dual nationality. There you go. And 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 like JP. Oh, by the way, I was going to make a point that if if you want to know about wrestling and Duffer, probably JP is your man to go to talk uh, listen to about that. 
<laughs> but until next time, thank you so much for listening. And I, and then I, I until the next episode, I will say thank you and goodbye.